0: Hi, Nick here from Pods with Nick and James. Just a quick one before we get into this podcast. I want to say a massive thank you for the uh, support that we've received since starting these podcasts. We thoroughly enjoy it and we look forward to creating more. If you want to have your say on any topics that we've discussed, or suggest future topics, then you can do so at www.reddit.com slash r slash pods. And if you want to support us, you can do so for uh, from as little as one pound a month. And you can do that at www.patreon.com slash James. Anyway, back to the podcast.
1: hi uh welcome to pods with nick and james um i'm i'm james uh say hello nick hi guys um so today's topic is looking at the communist manifesto uh by karl marx and uh, frederick ingalls many people have heard of karl marx um or marxism uh generally as it's called so i thought that this was uh, it, it's a massively influential text so I thought uh, it was worth taking a look at as I realised my own understanding of the history of communism and socialism was incredibly lacking and unfortunately, after reading the Communist Manifesto, or at the very least listening to a um, audio audiobook version of it uh, and reading a couple of well getting through some way through some commentaries on it all i can say is i'm still very much in the dark um if any of our listeners are a hardcore uh yeah communist socialist and want to get in contact uh then feel free to kind of put a comment up and i apologize if anything i say causes offense but um i've come at it from a layman's perspective i've read it and I'm, my attempt here is to give a, well, as even handed review as I can. Um, yeah. So I guess I'll start by uh, asking yourself, Nick, this. Now, this is a question. Some people love this sort of question. Some people, you ask them and they'll either deflect or you physically see them shrink. <laughs> so I'll, I'm just going to ask you straight off How would you describe your views politically? ...or your political position?
0: I... I think every... ...movement that has happened... ...be it socialist... ...fascist... um, ...communist... ...has happened for a reason... ...it's part of our evolution... Um, ...but I feel like we are now... ...past the capitalist... ...with no real aim as to what the next step is... ...and everybody keeps looking backwards... ...we've done all that... ...we've learnt from our mistakes we need to kind of evolve and move forwards. I'm not really sure what that is at the moment, but I know that capitalism has reached its end and we need to start looking at another method of um, social form that, that really moves us forwards and doesn't move us backwards. Oh, absolutely. Well, weirdly
1: enough, I guess this is one of the reasons why um you'll see a number of books if you if you're on audible like myself and you're looking for books on socialism there's a number of books like called uh, why karl marx was right and all of all of this lot and uh oh uh, just to also be super honest um i read through the communist manifesto itself uh the not editorial I also tried to go through a book called Understanding Socialism uh, by Richard D. Wolfe. Um, uh, The version of the Communist Manifesto that uh, I listened to was narrated by Charles Armstrong and Roy McMillan, um, both of which put a lot of theatricality into their words, uh, which sometimes i felt helped me understand it and sometimes honestly massively didn't um it's so it's interesting that you say that you feel that um society's ready to move on from capitalism because that's exactly uh where karl marx stood um back in 1848 which is when the communist manifesto was originally Uh, commissioned um, by a pro-communist group in order to uh, yeah, in order to kind of like centralise their beliefs what I will say about the Communist Manifesto is it is not a it is not a definition of the entirety of socialism Um, nor would I say is it although there are parts of it which are timeless, like the idea that people have noticed that capitalism can't last forever and definitely can't stay in its current form forever. I wouldn't, I also wouldn't say that the communist manifesto is necessarily timeless. Um, a number of times I'm reading it and, uh, Carl Litt, sorry, I'm going to, yeah, well, Mark's called... I'll, I'll, I'll call him interchangeably. But there's a number of times when he's making an argument and then he goes, Ah, but now that I've said this, surely you will react this way. And I just... There was at least five or six different times when he makes that sort of statement and I was just like, No. No, that, that, that's not what I was thinking. That wasn't my view on, on that. Um... It's incredibly, uh, as a piece of writing, uh, it's it does look factually at the change of um, the original power struggle between slave and master, to serf and feudal lord, to journeyman uh, versus guildmaster, and then finally to the modern one, which... Uh, has been the last couple of hundred years, uh, employee and employer. Um, It's it's fantastic that it it's able to focus on those relationships throughout history, but I will admit it's the, the the emotive and if I'm honest with you, dogmatic language used in the used in the manifesto itself almost gave the impression that Karl Marx saw the entirety of history as simply the history of the class struggle or the class war like, have you heard of uh, I'm, I'm, no, I'm, I'm pretty certain you would have but what's your current understanding of the class war or it, well, throughout history um,
0: obviously as i understand it the class war was the working class versus what was the middle class now doesn't exist and the upper class or the the aristocrats um so the the upper crust versus the the worker
1: yeah well that's it but like um like the way karl marx seems to see it is that he sees uh, what you've just described as just the current um, adaptation of the class struggle, whereas he seemed to believe that the class struggle has been happening, and it has to a point throughout history. There have always been those who have wanted power over other human beings. Yeah. Um,
0: well, the thing which... is, like we we discussed this, it it's replete throughout some of the oldest texts in in the world. Is there's always been the 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 monarchy and then the the monarchy's friends and then the others, you know, mm. um, like the upper class, the the elite, and then the minority who, despite being classed as the minority, were the actually numerically the the the, the, the majority. majority of society. Yeah. Yeah, yeah,
1: yeah. Well, it's it's interesting that okay, so the way that so, like you said, uh, you had the monarchy, uh, the friends, like the oligarchy and then everyone else. Uh, the way that... Mar- so, uh, I'm really sorry about this uh, to our listeners. Um, I've read through it a number of times, and I'm still struggling to get my head around it. Um, I'll probably come back to it at another point. In the manifesto, it doesn't start by saying, we are this we want this this is how we're going to go about it it starts by pointing out the huge successes of the people group that are classed as the bourgeoisie now annoyingly as you pointed out yourself nick like uh, the middle class people uh doesn't exist the way that Karl Marx sees it is that the middle class is anybody or the bourgeoisie is anybody who uses their money to influence and control others, which in my mind, I, I, I get why Ugh. I've been employed by bad businesses, and I've been employed by small bad businesses, but I don't see the way that I was treated um, in some of these bad businesses, like some bad small bad pubs, as I don't see it as a form of inhuman abuse, which is what Karl Marx saw any use of capital, any use of money to influence the actions, rights, or working labour of others as abhorrent is is my understanding of what his views are. He starts in the Communist Manifesto by building up the bourgeoisie, pointing out the huge successes that have happened under the bourgeoisie. But he simply seems to do this as a way of theatrically blowing up a balloon, and then kind of pointing to a people group he calls the uh, oh, I Might be mispronouncing this here. Sorry, I'm gonna. You've literally got the book in front of me. Uh, sorry, listeners.
0: Well, it's interesting whilst you're whilst you're looking for the the word, um, I. I feel that um, the the middle class before before they disappeared, they would have been um, more people trying to become upper class. So as much as the bourgeoisie, as he put them, were this um, iconic um, social form, i feel like they were always aspiring to become the elite which is where i think he falls short i think a lot of what you're describing is almost trying to create an enemy a common enemy in order to gain following it's easy to create a um a common enemy using common um common distastes reasons why people might unify against a certain way of being or against a certain, um, certain people, um, by saying, Oh, this is, this is their fault. And this is, this is, um, and what we've done is we've done this differently. And this is how we're better. Um, so you gain a following creating that kind of us and them mentality. That's what it sounds like. You're kind of getting to.
1: That's exactly it. Like, um, I guess, Um, I will admit that there are a large number of Karl Marx quotes that I completely agree with. Um, Like, we'll come back to it later, but one of his ones, which I find the most beautiful and the most literally the impossible to argue with. um, I, I don't know, if someone else is able to argue with this, please let us know. But one quote of his is, from each to their ability or sorry from each uh in comparison to their ability to each according to their need it's just basic logic you can't i don't know are are you able to find other than my terrible um bringing of that or like pronouncing of that like can yeah can you see
0: a hole in that no, I think it, I think that's a very fair way of of thinking I think there that's not where the flaws lay in Marx's work though is it like no. there would like he, there had to be a pull there had to be something that he was doing right to gain the following that he gained
1: mm. um well, absolutely um so uh, so uh, Karl Marx was born in Germany uh, he was Uh, he was of Jewish descent but was secular in his own beliefs. Uh, He had a large amount of disdain for uh, religion generally and specifically for the Catholic Church. Again, that's something which has gone through. So he was ahead of his time and a lot of his sentiments are still held by people today. Um, He... So... although he was he is a political theorist he is a leader of a movement he was incredibly influential Um, but he started off work as a writer for a left wing newspaper that's how he started his career and that's how he started to get traction Um, he then joined uh, a communist group um but from what i can see he spent most of his time working on the writings of this communist group uh, the communist manifesto was originally commissioned in 1848 um and it was supposed to be produced uh, rewritten translated and reproduced into six languages it wasn't um, until much, much later, uh, when it was re-released in the eighteen seventies. Now, part of this is okay. So, all right, I'm not exactly. So, this is the annoying thing. I've I've got some ideas why uh, there was a lot of uh, political upheaval in Germany, um, and at several points, uh, Karl had to move from one country to another because of literal rulings and persecutions one thing i do find weird though is that the communist group which commissioned the communist manifesto which karl marx was a a leader within was disbanded by karl marx Karl Marx the following year and that's one of the reasons why the Communist Manifesto wasn't produced in the number of languages so it's just it's really weird that he did that and the one of the books that I'm reading seems not the not the understanding socialism but the um, the actual the Communist Manifesto hardback that I've got in my hand now seems to suggest that the reason why he did that was that he'd started to lose control um, of that of that communist uh, federation, and so he shut it down himself um, in order to, to keep control of it. But I will need to double-check my facts before I say any more. There was a huge amount of upheaval, and it could be that he noticed that a lot of people were going about things the wrong way and were heading in a direction that would not lead to okay so right the word that i was looking up proletariat uh is the word and so the communist manifesto separates all of humankind into the bourgeoisie um which is represents the middle class but it's any middle class person who is seeking to dominate others through the use of capital, um, and then the proletariat is anybody who works with their hands and produces things through the work
0: of their labour. Um, yeah, it's it's just it's sort of the simple worker, the, the manual worker, the
1: manual worker. Yeah.
0: Okay. And I want to go back to a point you made earlier, actually, um, where you said that um, like jobs that you'd had didn't feel necessarily um, like dominance or in slavery, shall we say, what was the kind of air uh, that you were going for, um, mm. which Marx kind of um, says that you that that people that work for um, the was the bourgeoisie, um, they are essentially their slaves and they they they're paid off and they they they're, they're, they're uh, not treated very nicely um, obviously marx was from the 18th 19th century 19th century yeah yeah and how much has uh, employment grown and developed in just in the 20th century let alone the nineteenth. Um, absolutely true. Right. So what we experience as employment now in the twenty-first century is Aeon's past. What he would have been referring to back in the nineteenth century.
1: Well, you are absolutely you are absolutely right there. I guess the pub jobs to me didn't seem all that different because although. We had a dishwasher. Um, uh, okay, so if any friends are listening, um, this is not a particular job that I had in Seven Oaks with a good friend of mine. Uh, this is a job that I had in my home village in a small pub, uh, which then went out of business uh, about four months after... No, a good... it was a good six months after I started working there. Uh, due to, well, if I'm honest with you, bad management Um, and just different, yeah, different, uh, like, conditions. Uh, The reason why I see it as this kind of similar job is because um, although you're right, jobs and labour laws and all of that has moved on, a number of them didn't really seem to exist like I was paid late quite often um I was expected to do things which would clearly not be in my job description if my job description had been written down um I yeah like uh, like all kitchens are required to have a dishwasher uh If the dishwasher breaks down there's no law saying that they need to immediately fix it so for the entirety of the six months i worked in this pub i was washing up everything by hand um which yeah on the days when the hot water failed was not the most wasn't the best actually but you know what anyway sorry move moving on from there you've actually hit the nail on the head Um, because a number of the things that the Communist Manifesto does demand have actually happened. And although we may not live in a socialist or communist society, it's clear that the demand for these things was something that was very real and close to a lot of people's hearts. And so one of the fantastic things I will say about the Communist Manifesto is that it does seem to have inspired a lot of good, like, did you know in the eighteen um, in the eighteen forty eight, there were lots of people who were against uh, public schooling or just schools generally being available to everyone. They didn't feel the state should have that much power. Like, what do you think of that?
0: I think um, I've got very conflicting views when it comes to. Um, education in the country. I think there's yeah. a right to education for anybody that wants it. I don't feel it, sh- it should be um, enforced in the way that it is and outlined in the way that it is, because there's so many different colours of people, and I don't mean colours in like race. I mean colours is in the rainbow. That there are so many different types of people that learn in completely different ways. You can't just put them in a black and white school. In a in a simply this is one way and this is how we do it. If you don't do it that way, this is, then you don't fit in the school, which is what the education system is. Um, I've got um, four um, stepchildren, one and one child of my own, all of whom are completely different to the others. Um, And there's only one that isn't currently struggling in school. Not because they're not achieving academically, but because the demands being made of them are ridiculous, nine times out of ten.
1: I will admit that does actually seem to be something that a number of young people that I've interacted with um, seem to be struggling with. Um, I was chatting to... um, a couple of secondary schoolers uh, at my church, and they were telling me about the amount of homework they've got to do. And I don't know, it, it's always hard to tell when people are like exaggerating and stuff. But it's, you know, it seemed real. And it also did seem kind of harsh and ridiculous um, just the sheer number of exercises they are expected to do. In uh, in also be prepared for different subjects, and this is in like year eight, year nine.
0: Yeah, yeah. I just think that that there's a level of education that is necessary: the basics, maths, English, science, um, and then problem solving. I think is something that needs to be taught more in school and less regurgitation of information. Learn about this historical event. Learn about this geological formation what's the need for that honestly what's the need for that for a layman for a simp, for, for a normal run of the mill person that's going to leave and do remedial jobs um, oh. and then you have for lack of a better term the high achievers that prove their own learning through the basics and then branch out into things that they naturally attune themselves with You know, I've got um, a couple of really high achieving um, kids and they are made to sit through classes such as, I mean, I've got an autistic daughter who's made made to sit through religious studies um, and she really struggles with it because to her, religious studies doesn't make any sense. She's a very fact driven child, but she still has to sit through religious studies so why can she not apply herself to something like physics or higher level maths, which she is really achieving in? Because that's where her strengths lie. Why does she have to go through hours of learning in a subject that has holds no bearing? Mm. You know?
1: How 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 old what what year is she because i
0: know you she's get to year, choose your um she's year 10 really i thought you get to i thought you got to choose your GCSE clock okay so have things changed since me since your the options years that me and you... your options you're still limited like the choice is there but you can't just say well that makes no bloody sense to me so i'm not doing that you still have to pick one of these and one of these and one of these you know so you still find yourself doing classes that what, what, what want... were her choices? Because um,
1: well, I can understand, religious studies is something and, and a huge number of people struggle with. If you don't believe okay, so, in it, then so you're not So gonna... religious studies
0: is something that she dropped, but she's now having to do um, like PHSE.
1: Um, oh God, general knowledge studies. Yeah, and that, yeah. that to
0: her is not, not um, a subject that she's overly happy with. Um, but she has to do it because she picked um, art and drama as two of her subjects that she wanted to do. Um, she's a very creative child, but you look at her, um, like in her math class at the moment, she's in year 10, and her math teacher has been setting her A-level maths for the past year and has now run out of work to give her. Um, she's doing um, four bracket, algebraic um, expressions in her head. Stuff that okay, makes me go, yeah. that hurts, that genuinely hurts. Like, I can do quadratic equations and stuff, but not in my head. I have to write the stuff down, you know. Um, so she's she's very, very smart, very, very clever, but she hates school because she has to go through these subjects that she had to choose because she chose the things that she liked to do, um, but she had to fill out a timetable. You know, mm. um, but so the education system does need to be reformed. Mm. Um, okay, no, that's a fair point. Well, it's it's kind of interesting though
1: that what, mm, although the system it does need reform and does need to change, it is, at the time, of the Communist Manifesto. I'm going to need to double check my facts, but like schooling wasn't, it definitely wasn't enforced the same way it is now. And I don't think it was available everywhere to everyone, you know, like it, it didn't have the same mandatory thing, but it also just plain old didn't exist. You still had, a large number of private schools and public education I imagine may have existed in bits in places but didn't exist everywhere. Um, I will admit it's I really enjoyed the manifesto and I really agree with a lot of its principles um, in that what it also talks about is something any bourgeois person does and something unfortunately i think a lot of us do when trying to look or think about business because of the way that business works you stop the moment you stop seeing people as people but see them simply as a unit which produce which can produce capital through their labor yeah, like Karl Marx had a huge amount of disgust for that. And that's something I can definitely get behind. Just this idea yeah. that people aren't people. And I, I think. Well, the but thing, thing is, the education think... system
0: was made compulsory to, hmm. to avoid child labour.
1: In... Yeah, that's something else he was against, yeah, which uh, I can really late, get behind.
0: In the late 19th century, um, it was made compulsory for. Like the younger years what we would do is like primary school i suppose now um, mm. to avoid those kids going to the factories
1: yeah which a number of which again at the time of the communist manifesto it was literally saying that he also had a hatred for the family unit because a number of people would use their positions of authority like, their authority over their kids to force their kids into explorative um, work. As in, like, being brickmakers, doing the, yeah, the shittier jobs in the factory.
0: Yeah, and I mean, that still Um, exists now. You still get generational work, don't you? Oh, I I work in this because my dad did it. Um, And... You know, I, I mean, even down to like the sociological ad- aspects of your upbringing. Like, there's so much that is passed down from your elders, which isn't necessarily, for lack of a better term, the right way of thinking, but is passed down as a matter of um, tradition or a matter of um, heritage. Yeah. Uh, more than it is the the life lessons that they've learnt, the experience that they've gained.
1: Yeah, no, absolutely, that's true. Although the way that Karl Marx, like, so he saw the idea of the bourgeoisie disappearing, um, and there being no elitism and solely The proletariat becoming the one type of person the one class but also the proletarian was supposed to have all this freedom and all this power because they weren't being oppressed in subtle ways like do you feel do you think that people nowadays are oppressed by well, you know what I I I think yes, but I'm going to just ask the question anyway to yourself and find get your views on this. Do you think nowadays we are oppressed by an entrenched class system?
0: I don't know necessarily the the angle you're going for there, but I know that I I worked. I'm, I'm not I'm
1: not digging. I'm just going <laughs> I, general I, discussion. At I this mean, point.
0: I can only go by my own experience, and I know that I worked in. Um... I worked in the care sector for 14 years Mm. Um, and I've been quite open about the reason I left the care sector and that is because I described, well this is the private care sector I should point out, Um, I haven't worked for the NHS at any point during my um, my tenure as a a care worker and the many different roles I did in the sector. Um, But the care sector is the sector that takes everything it can and gives nothing back um i got the job i wanted the job when i started when i was 18 and um, because i wanted to give as much as i was receiving so i was being paid work that made sense to me i was making a difference to the end of people's lives okay um however i quickly found that companies were making a absolute bomb off of Um, people like me that were willing to go above and beyond um, to do absolutely everything to make that difference we were being paid pennies and the company was being paid humongous amounts, ridiculous amounts Um, I mean when I started at at 18 the nursing home that I was working in um, was taking on average about £1,500 per week per client Um, and I was being paid a little over a thousand pounds per month for what was sometimes 100 hour weeks um, because That's horrible. I wouldn't leave a lack of staff on the floor because it was the clients that suffered Um so I would work every hour God send because they needed me and that, that I use this term loosely I use this so many inverted commas they needed me to work Well, the reality of it is they didn't need me to work. I was the easy option for them to work. And I did that for 14 years. And it took me 14 years to wise up to the fact that it doesn't change in in that job. If there's too many people that are willing to do it, therefore it's never going to change. Or it's not going to change for a long time. So I chose... To step away and go for a job that I felt I could, and you'll, you, you'll know from working with me, I know the limits of my job and I do nothing beyond it. And that's not me being selfish, that's me saying my job is this and I will do this. If what you're asking of me is actually falling within your remit of your job, then no, I will put that back on you and say kindly, That's your job. You go do that. I will carry on doing what my job is. I couldn't do that in the care sector. COVID was a big one for me because um, I recently moved to a home. They knew the the history that I had within the sector, where I'd been management and a number of different roles. Um, And COVID hit the home that I was working in. Um, We ended up down to a skeleton crew of staff. My manager um, said, well, you've run homes before, so if you don't mind, you just hold the fort. I'm going home, and didn't come in again um, for three months. I ended up living at the home for 10 days straight, and um, there was only four members of staff that were working, and that means that there was only four members of staff that were working throughout the 24-hour period, which means that there was only two members of staff on at any one time to support... 16 individuals with learning difficulties out of which I think 10 had COVID-19. I was screaming for help to the like the super management for for days and days and it took a resident to die for them to finally give me agency staff and to request help from other homes that were within their company. Um, Needless to say after we pulled the home out of that hole I handed my notice in and left the care sector because what they asked of me was not that within my job description. It was everything they could get out of me and what they were paying me was not what I was working. So I left. Completely understandable, mate. So does that fall within the question that you were asking? So yeah, that's... Uh, so th- what I was... what I.
1: So the short version of that would have been yes. <laughs> um, yeah, and that's not well. That, oh my god, that sounds incredibly snarky. But uh,
0: I didn't take it yeah. that way.
1: Yeah, sounds. Uh, sound sounds like you were being oppressed and you were being abused. And a number of uh, a number of employers do do this. I guess I was expecting a yes. I wasn't meaning to insult or provoke. Um, yeah an explanation of your of your experiences I feel, like it, I feel like it i feel like it deserved it
0: why what, what more yeah. than anything what i wanted to show was that like this is normal practice you know i, mm. I worked in one sector and I, and there are multiple where i'm sure there are millions of people around the world that have um experiences akin to what i had and um probably worse than what i had um and yet felt that they had no alternative but to do what they were being asked to do because of the impact of not doing what they were asked to do.
1: Yep, completely. Well, weirdly enough, there are a number of there have been a number of high-profile court cases um, to do with the care sector over situations similar to what you've just described. Um, so yeah, not completely completely get there with you I guess this is that is exactly the sort of thing um, that Karl Marx was was against Um, if you've got an audible account or something I would recommend uh, giving a listen to uh, the communist manifesto and then we can possibly re-discuss this at another time either on the podcast or just over a beer mate happy to I think a lot of his points will will land home with you, um, from what you've just described there, uh, especially. All right. Um, okay. So what? So I think a lot of good. I what I'm going to go back to is on is in the manifesto. It comes up with a lot of good ideas, like like. Uh, like the idea at least of um, schooling so that kids aren't abused by putting them into exploitative labour the idea of no person being able to have the power of capital to behind them to control other people simply through that capital Uh, and the idea of the the idea that paying someone less uh, than the the profit or profiting from someone else's labor being abhorrent um, are all ideas that were put forward by the manifesto. What I kind of struggle with is that Karl Marx seemed to seem to think that it would all happen very shortly within his lifetime, and then that we would be in this utopian socialist worldwide society with no nationalism, no difference in race, genders, race, gender, um, age, all of that, that everybody would be equal and that we would all have freedom through, um. Through our our combined work, all of this is amazing ideas, but it's just it. It didn't seem to happen, and all of the. There have been some good attempts at communism, but there have also been a number of, less successful ones. Um, the the writers in the the preface of the Communist Manifesto that I'm currently. Um, Yeah, uh, right. The guy, uh, Gareth Stedman, um, gives a good commentary on it. And he points out that just as you've got the the Crusades, the Reconquista, a number of uh, negative things kind of blotting Christianity's history, he kind of compared Lenin and Stalin um, and Chairman Mao to blots on the history of communism. Uh, in the idea that it's a good idea which can work but just there are clear examples in history of when it's been done wrong
0: well, well um, we've you, covered you... this in a previous um podcast but mm. i like what's the main point of failure with communism uh okay the main point of failure is to learn from it no, the main point of failure, the reason communism fails. Oh, because <clears throat> people are bad. Because people it's... people are fallible. Yeah. Because people are easily corrupted. And we've covered this in our, our politics uh, podcast, where I said the main reason why human society ends up, no matter what, it ends up in a kind of um, hierarchical society and it, nothing's ever even... Is because humans are always corruptible and power and money corrupts. So communism isn't going to be exempt from that. The idea of it is fantastic. But you add the human element into it and you have a, a fallible system. It's the same with capitalism. Like the idea of 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 earning for what you do, that works, until you add the human element to it, and then it gets manipulated into what we see in society now.
1: Yeah. Okay. Sorry, I'd forgotten about that conversation. My memory is not quite as sharp as sharp as your own. Okay. Um. Well, I. Yeah. I've I've covered a m- number of of points here um, I did find it interesting that what Cole mocks, he suggests uh, as a bourgeoisie socialist um, covers a, what I consider to be a number of good people trying to do good things when he talks about the arrangers of charities the funders of hospitals the um, the philanthropists Anybody who still has connections with the bourgeoisie, but is trying to do good within that system, he still saw that as a mistake because he believed that the entire system was bad, so you shouldn't try and make a bad system better. You should reorganize it entirely. But it was interesting that because of his emotive use of language and of the very kind of passionate reading uh done by charles armstrong that it almost it just yeah the the sentences seem to be done with with uh kind of contempt for even those trying to make society better in a different way um okay so i've got a couple of quotes here from from karl marx and i'll skip the first one that we've already covered from each according to his abilities to each according to his needs and we'll just see some of these are just literally a little bit are going to seem a little bit abstract and out of place but we'll just we'll go for it okay so the first so another one here is the meaning of peace is the absence of opposition. i'm um, sorry of opposition to
0: socialism I'm not sure socialism is the bit that goes on the end of that but maybe you just yeah. drop the socialism bit off and you go the 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 meaning of peace is the absence of opposition
1: yeah no again like this is something that I've I've, I've felt with a lot of his rhetoric is that it had almost become esoteric yeah like self-referencing always trying to bring it back to his yeah exactly exactly so great ideals but
0: always had to make it about that point to give it relevance
1: exactly okay um this is okay this one i'm not even sure what this is taken from but Moments are the elements of profit. I mean, I can understand that time's got a value, but I'd, out of context, that quote doesn't really make sense for me, but that's not. That's not Carl's fault. That's me grabbing a load of quotes from the internet and expecting <laughs> them to make sense. <laughs> oh, right, you know what? Are you able, other than other than the fact that time,
0: that people's time has value are you able to see any sense in that i think especially in the capitalist regime that we are in um you think about the different um, holidays that we have they try to exploit for profit so Mm. obviously christmas is a, a big one a massive money maker but the way that i see that is um you look at a supermarket and that's the way you can see how moments make profit, yeah. Because the minute yeah. Christmas has gone, that's it. You see the Easter stuff in the uh, in the in the supermarkets, and the minute Easter's done, you start seeing the next thing, you know, and then the next mm. thing. And you're like, but so what they're trying to do is make you look for the next moment of 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 freedom the next moment of joy and now you need to buy all this stuff for that you know then it will, I suppose after easter it'll be the summer holidays and they'll be like oh like don't forget your your beach towel and your your bucket and spade and every time you go to the supermarket you know um or if the football's on at the well the the the, if the World Cup's on it in the summer, then naturally there's like twenty thousand beers in the in the fridge when you first walk in, and and England flags all over the place, and so they they just exploit everything they can that's going on in order to gain that financial element from you.
1: Yeah, no, that's true. That's true. It's kind of almost predatory in it by its very nature. Yeah, I mean,
0: I find supermarkets very predatory anyway. Um, I, mm. I would like to think of supermarkets as a necessary means to distribute um, produce, but it's not that at all. The amount of wastage that they have it is ridiculous. There are people starving in the world, and yet the wastage that comes out of supermarkets is sickening.
1: Hmm. Anyway, strong okay. views. Um, <laughs> no, 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 no. That's fair, fair, fair point. Right, there are some here which have just clearly been mistranslated, so I'm just going to skip a couple which have been mistranslated here. Okay, so here's another one. Um, the production of too many useful things results in too many useless people
0: (laughs) yeah yeah fair fair I mean I know a number of people that just buy stuff because they're like oh that's really cool they can do this and they end up with an abundance of things that are going to be amazing in that one scenario and then never, they've never got the it game. to
1: hand <laughs> yeah. because, yeah, because right, because they've got so many gadgets which are very, very specific. It means when that specific situation
0: happens, they can't find yeah, it in not, amongst all the rest of it. their stuff. Yeah, it's not like having yeah. a Swiss army knife that does every job you could possibly want it to, you've got every individual tool for that specific job, and um, yeah. I mean, my mum, I can remember, sorry if my mum's listening to this, but um, my mum was a massive QVC fan when she when I was growing up, and she'd buy, like, they were such salespeople as well, which is where I kind of get the, the distaste for anybody kind of trying to push sell now. I, I used to watch QVC, my mum would be watching it, like, so much, and you could feel the push sell from the salespeople on there, telling you all the different reasons why you needed this product that they were trying to sell and my oh. mum was such a sucker for it she'd buy the most useless crap that she'd used once she bought a hoover once a hoover not from um qvc this was from a salesperson that turned up at the door um, and i swear to god it lasted about six months she ran out of filters for it and she never used it again but it cost her a freaking fortune just because this guy was so charismatic and could sell a pen to a office supplier you know
1: yeah yeah completely understand okay no that's a fair point like it it, it is it is frustrating that like some people just do have the gift of the gab and just the amount of control that they can exercise over someone simply through charm is ridiculous.
0: Yeah, I think it's about, I think you've got to have the, the brain that allows you to look past, for lack of a better term, propaganda. Um, mm. And so much of advertising is propaganda. It's It's do this because it's what you need, it's what you want. You know, and the reality of it is, no, I don't, I definitely don't need it, I definitely don't want it, I have a million means to do the job that you're trying to tell me that thing can do, um, without the need of that thing. Just because that thing can do the job, um, doesn't mean I need it. It just removes my ability to think for myself and troubleshoot the problem when it arises.
1: Mm fair point all right uh one final one. Oh well no nah, actually you know what? i will do i will do these last three workers of the world unite you have nothing to lose but your chains which i think is that literally one of the last words or one of the last lines in the communist manifesto
0: Well, I I like to coin a phrase. I have coined a phrase, which I use time and time again, um, which is, please remember that you are one droplet in an ocean. You are not the tears on your face.
1: Ah. Okay, so, like, look, try and remember your position in history, the effect that you have on your
0: other people, rather than simply your emotions? Is that what you're... Don't, You're with that? don't muddle yourself down in your own misery. Remember that you are sat surrounded by millions and millions of people exactly the same as you. Who, if mm. you all band together, the power that the ocean has over one drop is immeasurable. Try yeah. to remember that.
1: No, that's a fair point. Fair point. Okay. Um, next one. If you can cut the people off from their history, then they can be easily persuaded.
0: We've covered a lot about human history recently and how, I, how important I feel it is to know where you've been, to know where you're going. So I think I've hmm. made my views on human history um, and its importance um, quite clear. That's fine. I think I could quite quite agree with that. Um, yeah there's so many um so much misinformation when it comes to like to history as a general rule um that makes it so confusing to know who you are
1: no that's fair that and i i also completely agree like did you know um with a number of sweatshops in uh in the philippines um the people that they get working there they've kind of got this factory in the middle of nowhere so everyone is away from their families has to sleep on site
0: yeah
1: and then they have they keep on they employ a large number of 18 year old um girls essentially simply because they've found that they can bully um them into accepting extra shifts or whatever simply because they don't have the support of their of their family and i feel that history family gives people a sense of identity, but also so does history. Yeah. And I think if you do displace people from their history, you They can still find other forms of strength, but you have robbed them of one of them. Yeah. I completely agree with you there. Alright. Uh right, the final one I'm gonna go for. The philosophers have only interpreted the world in various ways. The point, however, is to change it.
0: Mahatma Gandhi, he said, be the change you want to see in the world.
1: Absolutely. And I think that's a fair point. I I would agree with uh, both of those statements in that you do have to have an action behind your or following on from your beliefs. I do find it somewhat frustrating that Karl Marx said that but then also pointed out that it was up to the working class to free themselves and when it came to his own talkings about his own successes one of his largest successes he felt was when he was invited to talk on a subject when they when people started changing the subject to something he didn't want to talk about, he got up and left. Oh, so
0: um that's, but the, that's me done, I'm I'm out.
1: <laughs> yeah, and like but the way that he talks about it as as if he just I don't know, like literally as if he just kind of saved the world himself through that simple action. But again, that could be the reading of it. Um yeah, by Charles Armstrong, um, rather, and like putting more emphasis on certain words, but it was very vitriolic of how. Ah, uh, when I was asked to speak about this thing, I took great pleasure in going back to my drawing room, and it was just like. But you've achieved. You may have achieved something there, but you. you I don't think you've achieved nearly as much as you think you have by leaving. Um, okay alright well um, thank you very much listeners uh, for listening to this I realise once again um, I've tackled with something that I've learnt has clearly been uh, I, I now see all the more is clearly beyond my ability to comprehend uh, I would recommend uh, the Communist Manifesto uh, either as a listen Uh, It's about an hour and a half long um, with about 30 minutes of uh, Karl Marx quotes afterwards. Um, It is very interesting to see how this document has changed society as I definitely feel a number of the things which are put forward have been accepted by society as a whole. Um, It's also interesting to kind of see how every single written work uh, does age, as there will be a number of times when uh, Carl is talking and saying, ah, oh, but this objection I hear you cry and you will go, well, no, I'm not i uh, I'm not a German uh, middle class person in the 1850s, so that's not where I was coming from. <laughs> so it's, it's very, it's a very thought-provoking read. Uh, it will... Definitely, if you are using your money to um, actively to uh, exploit others, um, I think it will honestly hit you in the heart. Um, It's made me more aware. Like I was, well, you know what? Like I was thinking about possibly trying to buy a property and then renting it out to people after reading this book. I'm definitely not doing that um yeah it's it, it's an amazing read it won't give you every single answer on socialism it won't make you understand uh every single class struggle but i feel it is a very good if not a a tall first step to get over and i'd fully recommend it uh, like yeah, i said i communists.
0: think i think historically everything like i said at the beginning of the podcast every form of social um structure has had its place and has existed as a part of our own evolution you have to understand them to know where the next step is and where it's not
1: absolutely i'll get behind that i simply wish i knew what was coming next but anyway um (laughs) on that note have a good night everybody take
0: care guys bye-bye